Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. going on everybody for crypto current my name is steven miller i'm joined today by my my co-host chris corneros Where, where's chris here i it's am it's crossing guard chris chris corneros right. ladies and gentlemen um whoops not that one okay well we're going real strong in the beginning here today um <laughs> anyway you're watching crypto current live how about that this is our uh, weekly show where we take you through some of the most breaking news in the crypto space along with um, some quick analysis from your crypto commentators, your financial speculators, and your uh, experts in all things crypto. Here at CryptoCurrent, again, we are all about bridging the gap between um, those who know very little about cryptocurrency and then presenting them with the big knowledge that thought leaders in the space are talking about. So without much further ado, Chris, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in the market because I want to get this show underway. Absolute insanity. This week has just been ridiculous. Um, if I've I've either read about news, I've heard about it on like Twitter or Instagram, or I've, you've told me about it. It's just been nonstop this week. And up first, and somehow even Steve missed this. He learned about this earlier today when I told him. But up first, Biden uh, and the Biden administration are proposing a unrealized capital gains tax. Now, all of y'all are freaking out for good reason. However, and the good news is, or not good news, depending on how you look at it, um, chances are that if you're watching this show or you are recording this show, this won't affect you because you're probably not a billionaire. So don't worry. That being said, you may be wondering, what does this actually mean? Well, simple example, say you buy a stock at $100, it goes up to $400 and then back down to 50 and you sell at 50. Well, you would then, if you were a billionaire or if you'd made $100 million a year for the last three years, then you would have to pay taxes on that $300 gain you got from buying that stock, even though you sold at 50. So we'll see if this actually happens. I don't know what you're thinking, Steve, but everyone I've been talking to about it seems to think it's unconstitutional and not enforceable. Yeah, buddy. Anytime I hear about the government doing things lately, I just kind of keep smacking myself in the face trying to wake up. Um, so look, the government's going to do what the government's going to do. It's our job to, uh, vote accordingly if we disagree with their policies. That's just about as much as I've got to say with it. But look, in, um, the rest of news this week, we've got a ton of other great stuff to talk about today. Uh, don't want to just, you know, forget it. So I want to make sure I mention it. Um, Adobe also made some pretty big news this past week announcing that they're going to be, um, enabling their creators to embed metadata 
directly into their files now um, for any of their creative assets they use. That's actually a really big deal for a lot of reasons, namely the NFT space. So we're not going to dig too far into that one. But Chris, we on this show um, do a lot of really big segments. So um, throughout this episode, you may be introduced to a brand new segment, but I want to share you... I want to share with you what we do um, on a typical Friday here. We talk news and buy, sell, or hodl, where we give you our perspective on basically, do we buy that news? Do we think it's a selling um, story? So like, we if we owned that crypto, would we sell it? Or are we hodling on this news and just watching for more developments? But then later, we get into our primary segment of the show, The Aftershock, where we basically take you through the biggest story of the week and break down how it's making ripples through the crypto space. So... Let's go ahead and bring up... Where did it go? Still getting used to this new interface. <laughs> what we're talking about today. You've got it on screen. You clicked on it because of the thumbnail, hopefully on YouTube. Um, but again, do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed. And we're going to dive right in with Buy, Sell, or HODL. Buy, buy sell, sell, or HODL. So Chris, start us off with this week's Buy, Sell, or HODL segment. We're uh, getting into Helium. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, my personal favorite project and one of the best performing crypto assets out there is back in the news again with another major, major partnership because apparently every other crypto needs to sell their soul to get a measly partnership and Helium just keeps chugging and nails all the big ones. That's right. This week, Helium announced that they are partnering with Dish Network to roll out 5G coverage. For those of you who don't know, Helium is a coin... Uh, the whole point of the coin, the whole project, the idea is to build a decentralized wireless infrastructure. It started with Wi-Fi. That was the end goal. To get there, they've been building on the Internet of Things, uh, essentially the way that computers talk to each other, not the way that we use the Internet. And starting in September, actually, Helium began to ship out miners that uh, were able, capable of supporting 5G uh, network. So basically, these miners were building out a 5G network. And that's a big deal. Uh, these are shipping out. Mine will get here, I think, in January. So I'm very pumped for that. But the craziest news about this is that uh, Dish Network, basically, to kind of partner up with the 5G rollout, is going to be allowing essentially data roaming. If you are a 5G, uh, Dish Network 5G subscriber, user, however you want to phrase it, and say you're in an area not traditionally covered by DISH, well, if that area has the Helium 5G network being supported there, you're actually still going to have 5G. So that is awesome news. And actually, another bit that was kind of tucked away at the bottom of this announcement is GigSky is going to be launching a mobile plan through Helium. So the whole network it runs off of is Helium. That's a big deal. And to give you an idea of the scope and size of the Helium network, they have about 256,000 hotspots live. These hotspots are all miners spread across the globe, across 22,000 cities in 144 countries. This is insane, Steve. Look, I know this is really big news. And I brought it up on Tuesday just to respect um, the fact that I wanted to make sure I was pumping your bags um, on every single program that we have here. Uh, but... Look, the, the big thing to me is that this is Helium partnering with a big tech provider who's able to roll this out in pre-existing tech. That to me is like the thing that is really, really compelling about this story. Um, because like you don't see that. You don't see like 
different software companies or especially not blockchain projects, right? That are utilizing hardware that's already in, in place, um, at least all too often. You know, for those that don't know a ton about Helium, Helium is mined through what is basically a little router that you connect to your uh, modem or your existing Wi-Fi router to spread signal and to connect with other nodes on the uh, overall network. And to me, like the fact that they recognized so quickly that Dish's existing hardware could just integrate really simply goes to show the fact that like there are so many more players in this space that have that technical capability and they just aren't using it. They're not unlocking it yet. So yet being the operative word, look, I think that we've uh, we've pumped your bags enough. I know that you're a, cl- a clear buy on this one. Oh, um, yeah. you're, you're a buy, mine, and hodl on this one. Um, I will tell you that to me, if I were a helium hodler, I would continue to hodl. But let's move on to our next story. This is a really interesting one. This came across earlier today uh, when some stats started to boil up in the media. Um, there is this little app that you may have heard of, Chris. It's called TikTok. And mm. TikTok, um, as is it like, happens, is that like an alarm clock or a watch app or something? Yeah, it, it's it's a great yeah. time tracking app um, online. It also shows you how much time you waste on the internet. So, <laughs> it sounds very cool. Oh yeah, no, it's brilliant. So. Um, TikTok, as it happens, has been atop the App Store charts in both Android and Apple. I want to say for the better part of the last 10 weeks, if not the last three months. Sorry. Yeah, I think it would be the last three months. And essentially, it's been like way ahead of the pack. That is until recently. Because in the last couple of days, Coinbase topped TikTok in the App Store. What does that mean? And why is this important? Well, this comes at a really interesting time, guys, because Coinbase's rise is immediately like locked in with the dog coin surge. I don't know if you've been looking at you know the projects that we tell you not to look at here, um, but there's these two coins specifically called Dogecoin and Shiba Inu. And they have been on what I believe is medically known as is an absolute tear, right? Um, they've gone up something to the tune. I think Sheeb has gone up something to the tune of like 500% in like a week and a half. Something uh, like that. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. So perspective is everything, right, guys? If you would basically back when we had told you to avoid dog coins at all cost because they're just ridiculous. Although we you, did say that Shiva was branching away. Yep. But, we also told you that you know these meme coins are something you need to take seriously. But back in these times, specifically even a little bit earlier than that in August, you could have invested $8,000 in Shiba Inu. Oh, no. I know what you're talking about. And it's a year, a year ago, August. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it actually fell low enough in August. I, I could, dude, I could be wrong, but it was either this year or a year ago in August. An eight thousand dollar investment in Shiba Inu today is now worth over a billion dollars, five point nine to be exact. That is absolutely disgusting. So, look, it's no secret. Chris and I are not a fan of dog coins, um, and we've made that very publicly known when we did our uh, two bulls one coin segment and featured dog coins on that segment. Um, the vast majority of these projects are definitely shit coins, guys. Like, do not ever get that twisted. But 
you have to respect certain meme coins and Shiba is one of them because in this Coinbase expansion and like the amount of eyes that have been on it, this entire narrative, like Shiba actually surpassed Dogecoin in terms of overall market cap. And that's, that's something I would have never guessed in a million years because a lot of people say that like Dogecoin is the king of the memes. Um, but Coinbase also was not the only one that made these like really big boosts up the charts. Um, Crypto.com, in fact, made it up to the third spot in the overall charts. So crypto is definitely getting the attention of the masses right now. And Chris, I want to know what you think about this because I think that the, the vast majority of people who have been in this space for a minute will tell you that this could easily be seen as a top indicator. Do you think that this indicates the top or are we really just at the start of something insane? I, I think this is just the beginning. And the reason is, um, you know, it's one that we talk about a lot on all of our shows. And that is the only way that crypto truly succeeds is with mass market adoption. And these apps where it is easy to buy and sell and trade crypto, well, when they're reaching those top places in terms of app store usage, downloads, all that, they're getting there because the mass market is starting to, you know, kind of migrate over and use these applications. So I think this is just the beginning. And, you know, the great news about Shiba doing so well, and I know that sounds a little contradictory, but the great news about it is, you know, people are going to hear the stat that someone invested $8,000, turned it into $5.9 billion, and then they're going to go and look at it and see it's only at three cents and be like, wow, I really want to buy into crypto. And they're going to just start buying and buying because to them, you know, a typical, your traditional stock that is doing okay is like a 5 to $15 share price, right? And that dwarfs the vast majority of cryptos already. But now you're coming and you're seeing, you know, these top coins for three cents. And if you're an inexperienced retail trader coming over from traditional investing, you're going to go crazy. And that's why I think this is the, the real start, right? Yeah. And I, I would typically agree with you. Um, I think that when we watched the market fall apart back in May, like late April, early May, it was led by this meme coin craze and the dog coin craze. So when I'm thinking about the entire life cycle of a bull market, I'm thinking to myself and reminding myself that there is such a thing as a local top. So in, in other words, like we're getting to a peak, but it's not the peak of the actual cycle. And to me, when I think about how these markets end a bull cycle with what we continue to refer to as the blow-off top here, that blow-off top really has to be a blow-off top. Okay, we're only in excess of what the mid-market high was of about $250 billion right now. We are not like that far off of where all-time highs were. My early estimate is that we're going to end up seeing a $5 trillion market cap in this you know, current bull cycle. But that means that we've got a lot to grow from here, but it's going to continue to fluctuate. Things are going to go up and down, guys. So be patient on your entry points. The last inter interesting piece in this discussion is that with Crypto.com um, basically getting all of this momentum behind it, um, Jason Bourne himself has actually come out in support of Crypto.com. And of course, I'm just referring to Matt Damon. Um, but this is a massive celebrity endorsement um, from a major, major source of influence um, in Hollywood. So there's a lot of things that you can like about all this news. 
Um, but the biggest takeaway right now is that you need to be very aware of this market if you're going to invest in it. It's a high risk space. You have to invest after doing your own research, but understand that the masses are coming and they're coming fast. Um, and it's just going to get a little bit more nuts from here. Suffice, like suffice to say. Next up, um, we've got this really interesting story that I really want to make sure Chris dives into um, for a minute here for you guys. All about GameStop entering the NFT space. Yeah, so this is massive news. And I actually told Steve earlier today that I thought this, you know, it was quite a hot take. I thought this was probably the biggest news of the week. Um, the reason being, obviously, you know, beginning in the early spring of 2020, we saw, you know, the meme stock craze really begin, right? It began in the spring of 2020 because that's when the first posts from, you know, DFE, Roaring Kitty, as he is also known, went out on Reddit, Wall Street bets where they're saying, you know, I really like GameStop. You should invest in GameStop. And we saw it go from a price of like $4 or less, I think, uh, all the way up to about 550 or so at its peak. Um, and that was just with people liking the stock, obviously memeing quite a bit. But with something like this, right, with developing an in-house you know, your own NFT platform that will, you know, I'll explain a little more what that could look like, what it could include, but creating actual value like this, right? This is a complete pivot away from GameStop's traditional retail model. This is starting to actually create value for GameStop, right? It's starting to give a lot of these meme stock believers hope that, you know, okay, yeah, I bought in because haha, it's funny. Let's see how high we can get it to go. But now they're going to see, oh, wait, this is actually a good investment. Where can it go from here? And where it can go from here? Um, well, it's going to involve a lot of speculation because all we really know right now is that there are about 9 or 10 job postings GameStop put out. I think they're looking for three senior developers, uh, people with experience in things like Solidity, Python, um, etc. They're looking for... Uh, I believe it was three like NFT product managers and then two people with Web3 knowledge. Um, so I think that's eight or so. But it sounds like, right, like those are clearly people to go in, develop an NFT platform. But of course, it's GameStop. So a big part of this is going to be gaming, I would assume, to some level. And the interesting thing is if you go to the NFT website, I think it's like nft.gamestop.com or gamestopnft.com, you'll see that the, you know, basically the only media on there is a digital rendering of a traditional Game Boy. And so I, you know, my hot take, if I was a betting man, which I am, um, I'm going to bet that GameStop's NFT, you know, gameplay or NFT play will be somewhat of like a retro gaming hub where you can go in and play all your old favorite classic games, earn achievements, maybe have exclusive access to these retro games, something like that. That's just kind of where I'm thinking, but I want to know your thoughts on this announcement, Steve. So I'm going to give you my thoughts in one second, but um, if you're interested in really changing the game, um, how about some breaking news? Breaking news. After its Q2 earnings call this week, Ubisoft, the massive game developer behind Assassin's Creed and many other big titles, have just announced their intentions for investment in and adoption of blockchain-centric gaming companies in its Q2 earnings call. <sighs> Ubisoft is one of my personal favorite gaming studios. And to think that 
not only have they already established partnerships in the space, but like they're willing to make that very, very publicly known on an earnings call. Um, that is changing the game right there. That's wild. Um, so Chris, real quick upfront take on this before we jump back into the GameStop tie-off. What do you think? Um, very, very big news, very big deal. I've told Steve many times I'm not bullish on any crypto gaming plays out there, any sort of metaverse, because I have told Steve many times that as soon as any of the AAA developers, for those who don't know, a AAA developer in gaming means you are a big boy. It means you publish a game and it sells billion dollars in the first week of it being out. Ubisoft is one of those AAA publishers. They make big games. And I have always believed that, quite frankly, the crypto gaming plays don't have the chops to stack up to a AAA developer that really wants to make a play. So if you have any NFT gaming tokens or any investment in the field, be warned, you may see quite the hit coming soon. Yeah, look, I don't necessarily think that all of the AAAs are going to come you know, flooding in. I mean, Valve has already said they're very much so against it. Yep. Um, but for the time being, there are going to be a handful of these games, especially the indies, that are going to get attention. I mean, you've heard, if you you know are around the crypto space, you've probably heard um, voices like Elio Weinman from Elio Trades or um, Alex Becker from ZSS Becker. Um, they talk about this stuff all the time. Um, you know, namely like the bigger games and the bigger metaverses that are forming right now that have real material development behind them or like are really actually deploying games, not just like fluff pieces to get people to invest. If you're understanding the space, like some of these indies do have promise, but bigger players like GameStop and like Ubisoft and like Epic Games, they're coming. It is literally a matter of time. Um, but I think that the biggest impact players in the space are going to be those that release assets that can be used across different metaverses and across different um, games. So that is currently something that's in development. I highly recommend if you're interested in crypto gaming or crypto um, based, I'm sorry, blockchain based uh, gaming, even NFTs that tie into gaming, that you do a little bit more research or hit us up in the chat because uh, we do actually chat live during the show. Um, on YouTube. So please feel free to join us here and get into the chat and talk with us about this. But um, my bigger picture on this Gamers Gonna Game segment with GameStop, I think it's really interesting. I also think that this is like kind of the equivalent of an announcement of an announcement, right? Like they don't have anything they're deploying at the moment. It's just surprise, Redditors came out of the woodwork and found some job postings. Um, like I, I don't, I don't get really hyped off this. So to me, it's like, I'll, sure, like I'll hodl on this, but I am so, so convicted when it comes to like NFTs and gaming that I'm still buying right now. And frankly, like you have to be very, very tapped into that market to understand how it works. Um, but if you target the right stuff, especially in a time where people are averse to buying that's when the biggest gains are made. So keep that in mind going forward. Um, but that would be my take. Are you buying on this news? Or are you selling? Or are you hodling? I mean, I'd, I'd hodl on this. You, you know that I'm still not the you know, biggest NFT maxi there is out there. So I only have a few, but 
I have no plans to sell those anytime soon. And if anything, this, you know, kind of reinforces that belief that I should just be holding, kind of take a cautious approach and see how the market develops. Um, I get that. Well, look, let's hop, let's hop into our last piece. And again, this is just because so much of this episode is going to be so you know tied to the news. I want to make sure I hit a couple other big headlines for you so you're at least tied in um, because there are a, there's a lot that's happened this week, like just a ton. So here are some of the other stories that you should be keeping an eye on because they will have a big impact on the market at large, I believe, over the coming weeks, months, and years. Um, first of all, this past week, the Ethereum Altair upgrade is has officially gone live, um, effectively on 98% of Ethereum nodes. Um, so basically, this is a massive upgrade, the first actual step towards ETH 2.0 deploying, which is currently scheduled for the early part of next year. Um, that's a really big news story, especially because such a large portion of Ethereum node operators have already upgraded to it. That's key. Second up is this really, really awesome piece. And Chris, I want you to chime in on this because I think that you and I both smiled um, ear to ear when we heard this. So cool. Um, the artist Timbaland is dropping what is literally being called a remixable music NFT on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, tell me why this made you really happy. It, to me, this is just cool, right? Because he's obviously going to be... I would assume he's going to release you know, thousands at a minimum, probably hundreds or thousands of these probably song NFTs, right? But he'll probably release several hundred at least of each song. And then basically, you know, you'll have DJs, uh, electronic music artists, whoever can go in, buy these and then remix them. And I'm pretty sure, right? This is why I liked it. I think the whole point of it is then when you buy it, right? You own that NFT, you own the music. So you could then remix it, like upload it to Spotify, and that is perfectly legal and you can monetize it and you're not going to get any DMCA nonsense. Yeah, there's a couple other really big pieces to music NFTs and I hope to one, one day cover that on here. But one of the interesting things about this remixing element is like within um, the rest of NF NFTs right now, there's this composable feature that you basically have where you can, in certain projects, like mix and mash specific, um, call it traits of these NFTs. So like if you wanted to create one that had very specific traits, you'd go out and buy three specific NFTs that have the traits you're looking for and combine them into one. This is the same sort of thing. So basically Timbaland's like intentionally releasing parts of songs. So like he's going to put out the entire song, but he's also going to segment it so that you can basically rearrange things, combine different parts of different songs on the album to create your own Timbaland um, track. There's a lot of potential there, but like I think that he's one of the people that is going to ultimately be seen as like an innovator in this space because like that hasn't been done with music yet. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him for that. The other pieces of news that I can quickly get through real quick is right now, um, Ada, sorry, Cardano's Charles Hoskinson is currently in Africa doing a massive um, top to bottom tour. He's, bas he's basically been meeting with governments in every single nation across Africa. Uh, it's been wild to be following some of his travels online, but they're making really big headway in Ethiopia with the education system there and rolling out education credentials and um, moving 
testing and you know specific education records onto the blockchain. Um, that's really cool, in my opinion. Um, also, the Wharton Business School at University of Pennsylvania has just announced that they will be the first university, I believe in the world, but definitely in the United States, to accept tuition payments in crypto. That's pretty cool, um, especially because it means that the crypto rich will automatically get you know, Wharton MBAs. Um, so good for them. Good job, guys. You bought your way into a degree because you weren't smart enough to get it on your own. So Direxion um, is a massive, massive financial firm out of um, New York. They've also recently announced that they are submitting a bear ETF to basically allow people to buy into an ETF that operates for the sole intention of shorting Bitcoin futures. That's really interesting, Chris, considering like all the ETF stuff that's happened across the last few weeks. That's a really, really interesting development. Um, any thoughts on that before we hit our last headline? One quick one. My first one that came to mind is I could see some market manipulation, some media manipulation go into play here where you know certain institutions are going to want to see this bear ETF perform very, very well in the beginning because it's going to freak out a lot of people and media will be able to go and say, Hey, look, y'all were investing in Bitcoin futures, but why are the shorts doing so well? It's going to freak out people, back that price down, allow for more accumulation, and then we'll be back to exactly where we are right now. Yeah, so. the, the funny thing to me about this one is like, I look at some of the people who have like been just crypto ignorant for the longest time. You know, the, the Warren Buffetts, the, um, now, now uh, the, damn it, why am I forgetting his name? Um, Peter Schiff, there we go. Um, the Peter Schiffs of this world, they just disdain crypto and they don't want to get on board because they think gold is more profitable. Like this is the sort of thing that like they want to see go through, right? Because they want to see Bitcoin and crypto just completely die, um, which is the most immature viewpoint I've ever heard in my entire life. But having this is really interesting. And I think that we will probably see this go through now that we have like actual Bitcoin futures based ETFs this would probably go through sooner than seeing like a spot Bitcoin ETF. So that's, that's an interesting backstory behind this. And last but not least, um, the Winklevi, Tyler and uh, Cameron Winklevoss, they um, are backing this CMCC crypto fund um, out of Asia. And it turns out that in recent days, they have just officially backed a $300 million investment. So that is going to just about do it for us here in Buy, Sell, or HODL. Um, Chris, anything that you want to bring up before we jump into our next segment? That's all for me, Steve. All right, man. Well, look, normally we do our two bulls, one coin on this show, but this week, because we know we're covering a ton of news and there's a lot of really big stuff we wanted to tell you guys about, we are going to move right past two bulls, one coin this week and into our big segment of every single Friday called The Aftershock. The Aftershock. On this week's Aftershock segment, where we break down the biggest story of the week here in crypto, we are talking about Facebook opening its next chapter. And that, of course, is their official rebrand to Meta. We spoke about this in brief last week because the news had just broken that Facebook was going to be doing this big rebranding. And they made it official today by deciding that they're going to make jumping into the metaverse 
um, which is an insane um, thought in and of itself. Um, basically, their company vision going forward. So in this rebranding, they, of course, are taking on a new ticker in the uh, New York Stock Exchange. They will be move- moving from FB over to MVSE, which is short for Metaverse. Um, the biggest piece of this, at least in my opinion, for people that are not in crypto, is that they're not going to be able to refer to this as a Fang stock anymore. So, pretty rough it'll stuff. Be a, it'll it'll be a Mang stock. <laughs> We're going to come up with a much better acronym than that. I promise you. What up, Mang? <laughs> That'll be left to us um, during Halloween, as it happens. So, let's just jump into this thing real quick, Chris. Um, Basically, the big power play behind this and why Facebook thinks that this is going to work so, so well is that they have, over the past 10 to 15 years, acquired so many massive companies and just basically created this enormous portfolio and existing subsidiaries of projects that they can bring all under one umbrella. And they all happen to apply to this metaverse concept. Just to bring up a couple of them so that you know you at home can get a quick grasp on it. They have acquired Instagram for pennies on the dollar, by the way. That was the dumbest move the Instagram inventors could have ever done. They they Uh, only got what, like a billion? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I remember the number was staggering compared to what they're realistically valued at today. Um, They acquired WhatsApp in 2014, which is a primary messaging platform. Um, They acquired also in 2014 Oculus VR, which is going to play in huge to this story. Um, Workplace by Facebook in 2016. They announced they're launching Libra, which has now been rebranded to DM, which is their own internal stablecoin. Facebook Gaming in 2020. Giphy in 2020. And Messenger Kids in 2020. So they're basically wanting to roll all of these together and take bits and pieces of their portfolio and allow for their massive user base to join in and engage on a much deeper level online without having to leave home. It's this is such enormous news. Like it's the biggest player in the world announcing that they want to be actively involved in crypto going forward. Um, it's like Chris, you know what Twitter's been doing. We've talked about it plenty of times here. This Facebook making this type of move proves to me that Twitter is still Twitter, right? They're so many steps behind. It's insane. We all thought it was a huge deal when Bitcoin wallets were going to be rolled into your Twitter handle. This is Twitter being Twitter. Facebook is doing this massive step forward here. But I guess like the first question we need to talk about here is like, is Meta, as they're now going to be called, um, actually positioned better than the other primary players in the space? The short answer is, I don't know. And the longer answer is, I don't know. But yeah, they are because like I said earlier on the show, I really don't think most of these metaverse and gaming plays in crypto right now are worth anything and or will even be around in a few years. Basically, Facebook just pivoted to become meta and they're going to have more developers and more resources allocated to this project than probably the rest of the crypto meta plays combined. Like this is massive what they're 
basically what they're committing to. Um, yeah, it should, it, this is still insane to me, Steve. Like, this is a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, the, to say that this is the aftershock segment of the week, like it's the biggest story of the week, this could easily be the biggest story of the year. Okay, like when we go back and we do our big um, review of the year, like the 2021 year in review for CryptoCurrent, there's no way in the world that this is not among the top stories. Um, so keep that in perspective here. So are they positioned better than the primary players in the space? Because I've done so much comprehensive digging into metaverses, I will say this. There are three big points to how they have an advantage, but then the biggest piece will come in at the end. So look, yes, meta, as they're being called, is a centralized authority. They're not decentralized. It's not open source. They're going to be creating this metaverse themselves. They have a massive budget to do so. And because of that massive budget and the amount of internal resources that they maintain and the project managers that they'll be utilizing, it's going to allow for this to be a very rapid deployment. Um, in software terms, and to not get too nerdy on you, um, this metaverse is going to be delivered relatively quickly. I'm not saying it's going to be delivered in this bull cycle. I'm not saying it's going to be delivered this year or even next year. But to understand the scope of what a metaverse accomplishes they're going to be a very, very quick mover. Um, so very important to understand there. But what makes or breaks a metaverse isn't even the existence of a metaverse. It's the fact that you need to get users to convert. If you are able to get users on your platform, then you're viable. In this case, think about what Facebook had in terms of their user base. It was massive. Okay, if they even convert half of it, I mean, like it becomes the most, um, I don't even want to say leading, like it's, it's going to be one of the most impressive things to ever be technologically accomplished. If, you know? if they convert half of it, there will be more than like, hang on, quick math. There will be more than a hundred times the amount of people involved with that than there are currently invested even a penny into crypto in general. Yeah, gen like general crypto, right? Like even yeah, yeah. like just the even if you, person that's bought a little bit of Bitcoin at some point. Yeah, yeah. if you bought like a dollar of Bitcoin and Venmo, that like includes you. With even half of Facebook's existing user base, they still have a hundred times more than the amount of people involved in crypto. No, and that's that's insane. insane. So hear that piece because like you have to get into this on a deeper level. There is another thing that is giving like the other big players in the metaverse game um, an advantage over them, and that's that prior to this rebrand, Chris, how many people do you know thought Facebook was just straight up evil, right? Like just terrible brand image just thought that there was a lot of really messed up stuff going on over there. A lot of people, right? Yeah, I would say it. Yeah, it's like a lot. And just because, you know, in school, whatever, like looking at social media, all the information coming in, it's not even that Facebook is bad. It's just like, they have like essentially invented ways to mess up. Yeah, they just, have. It's impressive how 
miss how often they mishandled like just simple things. Yeah, no, I mean you're you're spot on. And the funny thing, in addition to that, like not just like inventing ways to mess up, it's like you gotta understand, like they're diametrically opposed to the reasons why a lot of people go to crypto in the first place. Right? Like the reason that you go to crypto is because you don't want to, at least one of them, is you don't want to have any one specific centralized authority having like dominance over your data, for example, or over your finances, or over your assets in general, like these pieces all add up. And to me, that on its own is a lot of the reason why, for me in particular, I would never get on Meta's platform. In fact, like I'm planning on completely erasing my Facebook in the near term because of this. Um, I don't, I don't trust Mark Zuckerberg as far as I can throw him. And I certainly don't trust Facebook with that degree of influence over my life. So that is not me turning this into an anti-Facebook bit. That's just me giving you a perspective on it. Um, when we look at the bigger picture, like who else is in this game right now? Because again, we're trying to refer to like these primary players. Um, who stands a chance in this? And Chris, like you've already made your point very clear. Like you don't think that there are any really big players in this because it's something that will ultimately like fail, especially on the decentralized side of things. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know it it's tough because, and I I think it's tough for a lot of reasons. But essentially, from what I've seen, right, most of these decentralized plays in meta or metaverses. They all are kind of coming at it from more of a gaming perspective, which is a very specific kind of a metaverse, right? It's like if you know World of Warcraft, the like Warcraft kind of universe, if you were to decentralize that and put it on an open blockchain, that is essentially what most, you know, decentralized metaverses are right now. Facebook is coming in from a completely different angle where they're trying to build a true metaverse which is something like you'd see in a Ready Player One where you put on a VR headset and that is the world, right? And yeah. they're already, they already kind of have that. They have social settings. They have the largest social media platform in the world and of all time. They have... Uh, they replaced Craigslist, right? And eBay, they have their own uh, marketplace, right? It's Facebook marketplace. They have their own marketplace. They have a media platform in Facebook gaming and like the Facebook watch or whatever it's called. They have messaging and now they're going to build in like work-related things. Facebook is coming into this from a completely different angle. So they're going to be building out a true metaverse and they also have games on Facebook. So they're going to have this Facebook gaming metaverse built into it as well. And that's why I really think none of the current plays have any chance because unless you really don't want to give your information to Facebook, there's no reason to not just go with Facebooks because you're going to get better quality games probably and better quality service because they have more developers on this project than the rest of these do combined. It yes, just I'm... comes down to a numbers game, I'd say. So the latter of what you were saying is where you lose me. But the former regarding like the fact that they're taking a different approach to this and like they're looking at really deploying metaverse on a much larger scale than just gaming. That to me is the really big goal here. 
Because a lot of people, when we talk NFTs on this show, like they get the picture of like, oh, well, it's license tied to art. It's um, a profile pic. It's um, X utility item or like membership badge. But in reality, the thing that sets a lot of NFTs future apart is how it's going to be tied to license and things that are off blockchain. All of those things are going to live on blockchain eventually. And when I think about what Facebook's doing with their metaverse, it's going to actually have far more bleed over into reality than you will ever imagine. It's going to be an absolute bridge from the physical real world into this metaverse, into like what is the digital world and your digital assets. So there is something definitely to be said for that. But I would definitely want to lean back at like what you were saying about gaming because I think that there are a couple big players in the metaverse game right now. And yes, they definitely are taking more of a gaming focus. But again, when we're talking about social mechanisms and how like gaming works in general, like it's there for that dopamine kick that you crave, right? Like when you get into gaming, you crave that dopamine kick that you get from accomplishing something in the game. Um, there are big players that are currently making waves in metaverses that on the centralized side of things, Epic Games is already starting. Roblox is like widely considered the leader right now in metaverse development in the centralized space. But then you go into the decentralized side of things and why I personally think that they're going to still make it is you have plenty of people that would absolutely stand to oppose an evil centralized corporation like Meta just because they hate it. So like you have plenty of people that are willing to fund that sort of thing and that endeavor and a lot of developers who ethically will oppose it. So in the decentralized side of things, like there are many, many big leaders, but like the big four, in my opinion right now, are Decentraland, who you've seen on Cryptocurrents podcast in the past, um, The Sandbox, who is taking more of like a crypto voxels approach, you know, doing the Minecraft style world, um, Netverk, um, or Netvark, basically they're doing a massive like um, global world metaverse and some space elements as well. And then the Starlink, which is, I believe, just now operating under Starl token, um, because I think that um, Elon Musk sued them. So, yeah, um, sucks to suck, but guys, think about your branding. So, these big players, I think they have a really solid shot. And it's just because so much money is entering this discussion about metaverses right now that the funding side of things is not going to be the issue. Like, Let's make this abundantly clear with the next point. In this massive new chapter that Facebook's writing on, you know, bringing metaverses to the forefront of the conversation and the social dialogue, it's literally already having effects, guys. Like if you go and you look at CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko and you pull up the categories and go to either NFTs or metaverse, like right here, this is in the last week. Okay, Starlink is up 255% this week. And that's like just in the last couple of days. Somnium Space, another great metaverse project, up 241%. Division Network, a project I've literally never heard of, up 177%. You go down this list to some of the top players like Altura. Altura is up 115% this week. 
UFO Gaming, another really, really great play, which is highly undervalued in my opinion. They're up 85% this week. Decentraland up 81% this week. And that's like one of the most important things. When stuff like this comes into the social dialogue and we start seeing crypto bleed into the real world, these are the projects that are going to absolutely rip. And it does not matter what their market cap size is. Okay? That does not apply to most projects. That does not apply to most spaces. But Decentraland is a perfect example. They were already a top 100 coin. They pumped 81% in a matter of less than three days. Okay, there's a lot of money to be made here on this. And like, I'm not giving you financial advice. Again, this is just my you know, crypto opinion, if you will. Uh, but you cannot sit here and turn a blind eye to this anymore. This is very real. This is going to be a huge deal going forward. Um, Chris, any final thoughts to tie off this Aftershock segment? One thing I do want to say, right, is a lot of times we talk about percentage gains in a lot of coins. Um, a lot of these percentages sound insane. Something you have to realize is the lower a coin is, the more people, when they want to get into a general category of coin, in this case, it's metaverse-related coins, they're going to look at you know the cheaper ones that are also sporting a good product. And that's why you see these insane percentage jumps is because people buy in and then even a 50% jump still puts it lower. However, when one thing you should really be looking at is the volume traded, right? Because a percentage increase is great. But if it's only $100,000 in volume, there's a chance it's only a few people actually inflating that price. The larger that 24-hour volume is, the more people are probably trading it, which will actually make it a little less risky because it means it has a lot of eyes on it. It's not as easily swayed by just one or two people. Both really, really good points. Um, I would tell you that you, if you, if you want to start getting into that type of logic about volume, definitely start studying it a little bit deeper. Um, the whole yes. idea of 24-hour volume is something that has a lot of merit. But at the same time, when the markets get really, really crazy, like the cycle that we're about to head into right now, volume starts to get really tricky. Like you, you can't you can't always rely on it, right? Um, but, but again, I, there's not a point that you said that I don't disagree with. There's a, an interesting point about, you know, how heading into the cycle, we're going to see some crazy things with volume. I'm sure most people watching, I'm sure you heard about it, Steve, that CryptoPunk that sold for like half a billion. So actually what that was, it was just something yeah. called a flash loan, which I'm not going to get into and explain because I get it, but I'm not going to screw Thanks. that definition up. Just Google it. But anyways, this was a half a billion dollar flash loan, essentially. Money transferred, instantly paid back. Now that, okay, essentially it means nothing happened for us. But if you're looking at a 24-hour volume, for example, then you're going to see you know, about a billion dollars added to that, I believe, right? Yeah, it's something like that. So and that's just an example, I guess, of how things can get crazy and also mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly why like, I, I tried to make sure that I make that statement. Don't read too much into volume unless you have like a very good understanding of it. So that being said, we're getting really close here, guys, to the end of our show. Before we do go, again, if you've enjoyed this, sh this show so far and have gotten something out of the content or just enjoyed um, Chris and my presence here on a lovely Friday night, 
Chris the um, Crypto Crossing Guard. Chris the Crypto Crossing Guard. That's right. Um, if you've enjoyed it, please do us a favor. Let us know in the comments below. If you are just listening to this on Recast, because this comes up on Tuesday on our podcast Recast through whatever platform you are listening to podcasts on, um, please just le- like leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. We want to know how you are feeling about the show. Um, also, if you are listening to this on, on Recast and you'd like to join us live, come join us on YouTube. We are live every single Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern with new interviews with our lovely host, Richard Carthon, every Monday and Thursday. Chris is also rolling out some of his own content right now. It's been really good. It's been getting a very welcome reception. It's short-form content explaining certain pieces of the industry. Give that a watch and a listen. Um, but let's crack into what to watch for in the week ahead. Sound good? Let's do it. What to watch for. So in the week ahead, Chris, um, first up, we've got... Um, actually, later today, it's supposed to be rolling out around 7 p.m. Um, Pacific, I believe unless it's already rolled about, out. About an hour 45 then. Yeah. So um, as of right now, um, lovely project who we are um, not involved with in any way, but we've spoken about on the show before. Um, Come Rocket is launching its NFT marketplace today. So congratulations to them. I uh, hope that they accomplish what they're aiming for. Um, Harmony One, another really, really great project doing big things is launching their cross-chain NFT platform on the 30th. And our uh, second to last story, Zcash, um, the privacy coin is in the middle of its um, big network upgrade number five. They've been around for a really long time, guys. Like This shouldn't be totally new um, to you, but that is happening on the 31st. So it'll be a spooky upgrade. And then last but not least, on the, I believe it's on the same day, if not like the day following, um, Cody, which is an incredible payments platform out of Israel, is launching the second iteration of their mainnet. So I think that about does it, Chris. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to think. I think that's just about it. I do want to remind everyone who we have coming on the show next week. Um, and this is Richard's show on uh, Monday, yes. Thursday. Just yeah, to yeah. So I, I believe aware. Monday, which is November first, we're going to have Fessy Moraine and Simone Lapsker. I hope I probably butchered those you, names. You nailed it, bud. Just <laughs> oh, chef's kiss. So those two people, whomever they are, and however their names may or may not be pronounced, will be joining Richard on the Cryptocurrent Podcast on Monday, November eleventh. Uh, they are with Liquality. It's a multi-chain approach to crypto wallets. Um, and then I actually don't think we have a Thursday episode next week. So I may be doubling up on content. Who knows? Look, it's always a surprise here. But I, uh, I've i got a couple of aces up my sleeve. I'm going to be um, contacting a couple of people that I, in a prior life, would have never thought I'd be speaking to. Um, one of them, just for, just for our YouTube viewers here, because uh, like I'm not talking about this publicly with anybody. Um, but let's just say I'm reaching out to the mooch. You can put it together on who that is if you want. Um, but look, we've got a really big jam-packed week ahead. We've always got great articles and new blog content coming up on crypto-current.co. You can follow us on socials up above. You've got both of those handles. Again, remember to like, subscribe, show us a little bit of love. But otherwise, guys, it's been a great week. 
Have a great weekend. We will see you on Tuesday for another edition of Cryptocurrent Live. But just so that we are signing off right, and I need to make sure that I'm getting my stuff actually in the right folders here. Um, is it, uh, I hope it's what I think it is. If not, I'll, I'm going to throw hands. <laughs> You're not going to throw hands. Everybody stay Cryptocurrent. <laughs>